Hello, good afternoon. This is the 32-page document. It's a very important one, our roadmap, if you like, for the next six months. And that's what we're here to discuss this afternoon. For some, it will make ideal bedtime reading. For others, certainly if you've been homeschooling or are simply fed up of watching Frozen for the umpteenth time this week, it may even be a welcome distraction. There's no disguising its importance, though. The devil very much in the detail. And with no media briefing as such today, this is probably the ideal time to explore in a bit more depth what we heard yesterday, the outline of a three-stage process for the removal of coronavirus restrictions and, of course, the island's return to normality, however you define that. Well, here today to tell us more about the island's strategy are the Director of Public Health, Dr Henrietta Hewitt, and the Chief Executive of the Department of Enterprise, Mark Lewin. Good afternoon to you both. Thank you for your time. Uh, no stranger to this forum, of, of course, Dr Hewitt. Um, I actually, I don't know if it's something to do with um, the initials, but both Paul Moulton and Piers Morgan uh, were otherwise detained today. So I'm afraid you, you're stuck with me, but we're going to have a chat. And uh, Dr. Ewart as well, you'll be pleased to know I have brought my homework and done my homework. So we, we should have a, a lot of fun in, in the meantime. Um, there is going to be a presentation in a few moments time. Um, but before that, I, I just want to, to come to you, Mark, Mark Lewin, if I may, because obviously... As chief executive, people are going to say, why the Department for Enterprise? What, what's the department's role in an exit strategy like this? It, it's not an obvious fit to a lot of people. Thank you, James, and, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, clearly, there is a real economic interest in the, what the future looks like, what this year looks like. We've been increasingly being asked by businesses and, and sectors what that might look like. But I'm also part of the small team helping support, work with the Council of Ministers, work with Dr Hewitt, as, as the broader response. So, yes, I've had a, a lot of work in this and, and a lot of support with, with many people to, to get to today. So, what, Why now? Why, with, with so much unknown and, and in the middle of a circuit break, why have we got this document? Again, a good question. So this, this hasn't just kind of appeared. We've been working on this for some time. Uh, as I said before, there's, there's been quite a, a lot of interest as to what this year might look like, what does the future look like. Clearly, and the document talks about, there are many, many unknowns, but you know, we do have to have an approach. We do have to say what it looks like. We had kind of a version of this a number of weeks ago. We wanted to see what the UK was going to say because, you know, our, our closest uh, neighbour and, and in terms of risk and in terms of our defences, that border has been, you know, a critical part of that. So come the 22nd of February, that was an important milestone in terms of what they were thinking. And then, of course, we are where we are in terms of the, the, the current outbreak and it just didn't feel right. Council felt that bringing it out last week just wouldn't have been right. But equally... You know, we do have to bring it out. This is all about starting a conversation. Um, it's got things in there that says what we think might happen. Some of those will clearly change, but much of it will be dependent upon people's attitudes, people's attitudes to risk as we hit certain points. Um, you know, how do we feel and what do we think the, the, those, those scenarios might look like? So we, we got to the point where actually we do need to bring it out. Every day that we, we can hold it back, it becomes a little bit more out of date. Great news every day. We start to see more, uh, more information, more evidence around whether it be the vaccine, whether it be on our own rollout, the effectiveness. Um, so, so, you know, it, there comes a point where we, it's, it's time to bring it out. And given where we are in terms of the current uh, circuit breaker lockdown and, and the huge you know, challenges and the real kind of pain that's causing a lot of people, actually taking a bit of space just to say, you know, we do have a view of what the future like, can look like. There is a bit of hope there. Yes, there are some gnomes, but, you know, we will work our way forward towards that. So uh, this has obviously been in the offing for, for some time then. For, for much of last summer, uh, Dr Hewitt, and even into the autumn, I, I suppose, we, we enjoyed our freedom. Um, it, it always felt 
if not false, certainly a little bit fragile, if you, if you like, that, that, that we couldn't expect ourselves to insulate from the virus forever by closing the doors and that one day it would get in. It has, obviously, and then it would spread freely. So is this framework an acknowledgement that as an island we had to move from an elimination strategy ultimately to a more a managing strategy that elimination was never achievable long term? Do you think that we had to learn to live with COVID-19? I think um, there is some basis to what you say, but the issue is the timing of when it becomes possible to live with COVID. And that depends on the rollout of the vaccination programme. It depends on really understanding what the impact of the full rollout of the vaccination programme will be in terms of protecting the majority of the population and particularly those most vulnerable to serious illness and hospitalisation. And then it also depends on the jurisdictions around and about us. Um, one of the reasons we were able to enjoy a local COVID elimination, COVID-free period for so long over the summer and into the early autumn was because at that stage, infection levels in the UK were also very low. Then, of course, they began to rise. That was compounded by the fact that much of that rise was being driven by the Kent variant, which for a while at the back end of last year was one variant amongst many. We were seeing occasional cases of Kent come across in travellers, but it was mixed in with a lot of other variants um, and it was contained and controllable. Then we had our first cluster or small outbreak um, early in the new year, which fortunately was not a Kent variant. And so that was much easier to contain and take us back to elimination. Then back in mid-February, unfortunately, we got a case that came across the border that was Kent variant that managed to spread. And we've seen the outcomes of that with the massive spread, which has not proven possible to contain without going back to a circuit breaker and lockdown measures. So all of these different contexts drive where we are and how we're thinking about moving from elimination to mitigation. Uh, thank you. So, so just going back then, how, how much of that elimination, temporary as it was last, last year, how much of that was down to decisive action and how much of that was down to a bit of luck or was it a combination of the two? Combination of the two. Um, obviously, once we've achieved local elimination... The way to keep that is by managing the borders tightly. Obviously, we can't seal the border completely. If we could, we'd have much less to worry about because if a case doesn't come over by travel, you know, it's not going to arise by spontaneous generation. So if we seal the borders, we're OK. But we can't do that because of the need to have, you know, flow across the borders for essential supplies and for the level of movement of people that the government council of ministers deems to be appropriate so once we have that we're always going to have risk as we've said for a long time we're only as covid secure as the last person across our border and if that last person is moving around and they've got kent variant uh, we get to where we are today i i i wonder mr lewin because we are where we are the chief minister says there's a lot of reasons for cautious optimism just tell me if this strategy, and I'm sure it will, without preempting the, the, the will of the Parliament. But, but what happens? I need to ask you if Timwell did not approve this strategy. 
So, so it, it, the document lays out an approach. It talks about what we think might happen at certain times. It doesn't lay down in tablets of stone things we must do. And uh, I think that you know we talk a lot in there about unknowns. We talk about lots of things that are going to move and change. So, so uh, it doesn't either way in terms of if, 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 if Parliament's view is that there are more things that need to be covered in here or more scenarios looked at, then we, we'll take that away and, and have a look at it. But, but equally, this is not a... It's not like uh, you know, a, a clear piece of either legislation or a clear plan that says this is exactly how we're going to do it. This is more an approach. And I'd also say, James, that there's quite a lot of people that have had input into this, not necessarily in the kind of the final form, but... You know, where we think we are currently, uh, as Dr Hewitt said, the, we found ourselves in a position for many, many months last year and, and society you know, were very happy with that, that idea of having you know, uh, very few restrictions in, in island life. Uh, our economy felt like it was working. Yes, there are clearly parts of our economy that are really, really hurting as a result of the, the border restrictions. Our health pathways as well, and being able to have our hospital and our, our key health pathways working really well. So... So to go back to Dr Ewer's point, in terms of where we got to last year, and, and actually we really did enjoy that, that privileged position, and we were really privileged compared to many places around the world, but equally it, it, it can't be sustained. So having something that says where we are now is not where we're going to be in the future. Um, we don't have all the answers, but we will take, and some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the way we'll do it in there talks about the objectives. One of them talks about cautious. So let's take a cautious step on that journey and... And I, I, again, the feedback we've had from many people we've talked to is, yes, there's some unanswered questions in here, um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's setting out a direction and let's, let's all go on that direction together. Well, well, let's find out a bit more now then, because there are tr triggers, uh, there's criteria in this strategy um, which have a certain fluidity. They have to, by their very nature, flexibility about moving from one stage to another. And, and let's hope it is forwards, not backwards. Um, let, let's just have a, a short overview of this. I know you want to, uh, for the next 10 minutes or so, uh, you want to lead on this with, with Dr Hewitt's input into sort of a summary, if you like, of the, the main aspects of this framework. Thank you, James. I thought it might be useful just to put a bit of, a bit of context and just kind of bring it to life a little bit more than, rather than the, the document itself. So... One of the key, key um, aspects of the whole way that the council and, and government generally has, has responded to the pandemic generally is about having some core principles. And, and they're at the heart of the document, they're at the heart of all the decisions that were made last year, uh, heart of when we go into the likes of the circuit breaker, that number one in there, that protection of life. That's where we started last March, concern about the, you know, the overwhelming of our health and care systems. And that, that hasn't gone away, that is, is still there. We're making great progress on the vaccination programme, but... That threat still, still remains. The need to maintain critical national infrastructure, particularly on a small island. Public safety, confidence and welfare, working hard at that to keep people safe, to keep people um, you know, confident and that level of, of well-being in, in place. The fourth one that ran through last year was find that controlled return to normality, balancing uh, the pressures we have across the economy, across society and, 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 and in terms of the risk to health. And, and we, as I said before, we found a really good balance through, throughout much of last year, but there have been pressures. The fifth principle that we added uh, early this year was really recognising the importance with which the vaccination programme here and indeed around the world will, will play. And say so we made really good progress this week with over a thousand jabs on, 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 on one day. So really a pace on that programme. And that going forward in terms of one of the core principles is something that we, we, we want to really protect one of the key things that I think the, the document talks about, and you said before, James, is that what we've had in the past is probably not what we can have in the future. 
we can't live in a bubble forever. The elimination strategy is, you know, it said it served us well and um, it really talks to the fact that we don't have any real prevalent level of uh, community transmission and um, therefore it's not really a public health threat. We're not going to be like that forever. We can't be in our, our bubble forever and we need to move to something else. And um, what the document talks about is a, a strategy that's much more around mitigation. So recognising that we have a solid level of base protection in place and therefore there is an acceptable level of risk that can be managed and we can therefore live with the threat of this in a much more uh, sustainable position. I know, Dr Hewitt, there's been lots of conversations about the different stages or different strategies, containment, suppression, elimination. Would you like to kind of add to, to kind of what you think the, the future might look like in that context? Yes, I mean, it's really at the moment when we have the elimination strategy and the elimination being an, our objective, when we get an outbreak, we want to control that so strongly that we get back to elimination. And that obviously comes with a lot of costs. There have to be a lot of restrictions. A lot of people are identified as cases, even more are identified as contacts, and they will have to self-isolate, which is a burden for them, and it's a burden for society and the economy. So there is a limited length of time that we can keep doing that. And particularly now we have the Kent variant, um, which sets off outbreaks and clusters so very quickly if it gets in. The risk is that with the elimination strategy, we could be just going into a, a process of stop-go every time we get another case which somehow manages to spread coming across the border. Um, so that isn't sustainable long-term. Um, this time last year, if we'd been in that position, it would have been um, you know, a very dire prospect and we probably would have had nowhere else to go but an acceptance of having to do the suppress-release, suppress-release approach. Now, of course, we have been incredibly lucky with the extremely rapid development of the vaccines. Um, it's probably worth noting here that, you know, a year ago when within public health circles, we were first sort of talking about, you know, what is the route out of this? Actually, everybody was having to say, we don't know. We're probably not going to see vaccines on the scene for at least two years. So the fact that a year in, we have these vaccines and they're already being rolled out is really quite extraordinary. And it gives us, you know, a way of planning for the medium term that we really didn't think we were going to have a year ago. So the key to this is the vaccine programme, understanding the levels of protection it gives, our neighbouring jurisdictions bringing levels down and also rolling out their own vaccine programmes. And that should bring us to a position where we're all, you know, on the same playing field. So the action we have to take at borders doesn't need to be so strong. And we can move to a position where we can live with very low levels of COVID, which shouldn't be putting the pressure on the hospitals and other services. Just if I may, before you go back to, to the presentation, Dr Ewan, if I, if I can ask you, at what point, well, you're talking about the vaccination programme there, at what point do the scientists actually calculate that enough people have been vaccinated for us to, to, to move to living with COVID cases as opposed to trying to defeat the virus? I mean, is there a number, a, a, a model a goal to aim for that, that perhaps the public would, would be able to work towards and see something rather than, I suppose, feeling exhausted or a bit tired of another open-ended lockdown situation, which yeah. is human nature. Yes. 
obviously but i think we we all feel the, the burden that we, we we're under at the moment from from where we are i think the problem is it's a very inexact science we're literally feeling our way with real life experience rather than having any you know trials to, to draw on other than those that show the efficacy of the vaccine in reducing um serious illness so there are modelling groups across in the UK who usually are based within academic units and they provide models on just the sort of thing you're discussing here to inform the UK SAGE, which is the expert advisory group for the UK government. Um, probably one of the most robust models that was produced back in mid-January, I think, from memory, by the Warwick Group from Warwick University, that indicates that by September, the UK should be able to get back to a position where life can become more normal, but will still require some residual mitigations. So that's probably around things like face coverings and social distancing, but with much more opening up of life, activities, venues, hospitality and so on than is there at the moment. But that's not quite the same as saying, you know, we'll be able to take off all mitigations. Obviously, that would be a different position for us because we haven't ever had a position where we expected to live with enhanced mitigations for a prolonged period. And I think one of the things we're having to think about within that mitigation end of the slide that Mark was just talking about is what that might look for us. And in fact, we are beginning to do some work with the group in Warwick to look at how that might look for us. Um, so that's a work in progress. It has to be said that it's a work that comes with wide errors, wide margins of potential error, um, and it's not an exact science. Super, thank you. Great, and it's probably just worth, if, if I can, uh, Dr. Hewitt, just saying that that's one of our real challenges, trying to get clarity about what other people are thinking. And, and as Dr. Hewitt said, it, it changes, and, and, and in some cases it's contradictory. So you know, the one thing we do know is with the fullness of time, we'll know more. And I think that's, that's an important part of what, what we're trying to do in terms of this approach. The, uh, so, so if we don't have all the answers, one of the ways in which certainly Council have talked about is how we're going to make some decisions is about being clear on what we're going to have in mind as we come to those decision points. And this slide is mentioned in there about five key objectives. talks about maintaining island life free of restrictions for as long as possible, other than borders. And that goes back to how society felt, how the economy felt, how our health uh, system felt um, it's worked well when we haven't had restrictions but as Dr Hewitt said in the future when we get to a particular point in time there may well be some residual um, restrictions that are needed um, we don't quite know yet and, and we have to recognise that is what it is that we'll take a gradual uh, approach to this we'll gradually adjust as we go along based on what's happening around us based on our own level of defence in terms of the vaccination programme and the knowledge that's coming from that and what's happening around us in terms of the UK. So uh, I said we wait until the UK announced what its roadmap looks like. We've, we've got that now. They've got some indicative dates that are about, and we've seen about to come out of certain things. So we've seen schools coming back, but none of us know yet what that will mean in terms of its in infection rate. It's been coming down greatly in the right direction, but it's still high, high today. Right. Take a cautious, orderly approach to the model. So this is, this is about saying that that's worked for us well in the past. That's what we will try and do. We will try and look forward as certain points come. We'll try and 
as Dr. Hewitt just said, try and get some extra input and look at the different uh, scenarios and take as much as we can and, and, and go carefully at that point. We will need to, unfortunately, be, uh, continue to be ready in case we need to react. In case something pokes through all of our levels of defence, then you know, we do need to be able to react until the point where the threat to the health and care systems is such that it's reduced to the point where they won't be overwhelmed. Um, I think there's a lot of narrative around the world talking about kind of living with this more generally and the, the uh, JCVI kind of narrative in the UK about driving down mortality and hospitalisation is the key priority but generally there are, there are still other effects from, from this, this, this awful disease. And then regularly reviewing, so this isn't a, a one-off exercise, we're here today James and I think we'll, we'll come back certainly on a regular basis and, and talk about where we think we're up to, we'll produce updates, we'll say what, what else we've learned, where we're up to on our programme and, and, and that this is very much the start of that, that process, not, not the end. Just, just on that, um, the, the Chief Minister's obviously said it's impossible to, to set a framework in stone, that there are too many unknowns for that. How regularly will this be reviewed, do you think? How often will, will the team review the outlook and, when required, update the approach? So certainly uh, Council Minister is looking at all of this on, a, on an ongoing basis, as, as you'd expect them to, as well as the, clearly the current situation. But certainly once a month we, we hope to formally come up and, and, and produce some sort of perhaps short update just saying this is where we come from, this is where we are, this is perhaps what's changed in either the evidence or the knowledge, and this is what we think might happen in, in the, the near future. So I, I do think and we, we would hope to kind of produce some sort of monthly narrative uh, around that. Another key part of this, and uh, it's in there, talks about there isn't a single, uh, there isn't a silver bullet to this, there isn't one, one, one defence, there's a multi-layer multi approach to it. At the top we have kind of the threat around us, and when our borders are tightly controlled that's a great way of kind of mitigating against that. Um, but equally, you know, the, the, it, 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 nothing, no single defence can be, can be perfect. And, you know, the, the document talks about the next level underneath that are, are border controls, both restrictions in terms of who can come through and then the controls in terms of what happens to them when they, they come through. So our, our isolation type, type processes and our testing pathways. Underneath that, the next level of defence, the key one that a lot, of, a lot of hope and a lot of emphasis on is the vaccination programme. Uh, and then underneath that, though, the, the testing and tracing are 111 systems that is probably going to be here for the foreseeable future, if not in, indefinitely, that that tells us is, is there a problem there, that tells us where that might have come from and how to react best. Then underneath that, you know, the last resort, and there's been a lot of narrative over the last kind of week around the circuit breaker, and, and, and it isn't necessarily just one, one size that, that's always applied. There are different levels depending on what, what we see, recognising there is a real cost to that, not just a financial cost, an economic cost, but a real human cost as well and, and social cost when we when government steps in and puts restrictions in like that. So it really is that, that last resort. And hopefully the levels above it mean that we have to less and less need to do that as our defences build. And then right at the bottom, balancing the health, the society and the economy. And there's pressures on all of them in terms of border movements, but equally there are pressures on all of them to try and maintain island life free of restrictions. So that's, that's an important part of, of the overall approach. The, the, the vaccination um, rollout obviously increases the island's defences. And the UK's threat profile decreases as well. As a result, it's, it's potentially win-win. Um, you and well, certainly Dr. Hewitt, you will be fed up to the back teeth, I would imagine, of being asked how long this lockdown will go on for. Because at this stage, obviously, you can't possibly know. Realistically, though, how soon do you see it coming under some form of control? Because I know our, 
our friends in the Crown Dependencies, Jersey and Guernsey, it's taken over six weeks. And I think the, the public would, would like some context, some clarity about timescale as much as is possible. Yes, in, indeed. Um, obviously, we're, we're monitoring what one calls the outbreak curve, which is the number of infections day by day. And it looks as though we are, as we expected to be, reaching the peak just now. Um, I think we've said on some of the previous um, press briefings, um, and I may be getting confused because I say this in so many different places, but I'll recap it now anyway. Um, obviously, from the point at which the circuit breaker measures came in, at that point, there was still out in the community people who'd been infected in the community before any restrictions came in and who hadn't yet become symptomatic, been tested and been confirmed as cases. So the incubation period for COVID is one to 14 days and the peak is around five, six days, four, five, six days. So we expect to see the peak in numbers of people who were infected pre-circuit breaker coming through beginning to middle of this week. And that, in fact, is exactly what we have seen with the very high numbers where I think we got over 100 on about Monday. And since then, it's been beginning to come down. So we're hopeful that that represents what we expected. That is, community spread is getting under control. But of course, then there is, first of all, a runoff with those community cases who have slightly longer incubation period and will still be coming through. And then, of course, the secondary transmission to households you know, parents, siblings, the young people who've been the peak group um, and so on, who will also continue to be infected and come through in the numbers. But of course, they are already self-isolated. And even for those remaining community cases with the circuit breaker restrictions in place, they will not be going very far either. So that should bring us under control. And if we look at the trajectory that they had in Guernsey, um, which should not be dissimilar to ours. It took them five weeks to get to the point of no new cases. They're now at eight days plus, I think, of no new cases, maybe 10 days by now. Um, and so they are coming up to the point where they will soon be at one full incubation period. That's 14 days with no new cases. Now, usually one would like to leave a bit of a margin beyond the 14 clear days just to make sure there's no cases from the very tail of things waiting to come through. So around 21 days plus is the time when one would be, you know, discussing whether it's safe to be, be lifting restrictions, um, either all in one or in a phased approach. So for us, we're probably looking, we're just coming up to what we are one week in today, I think, from memory. But I'm sure we are. Yes. So we're probably looking at another, you know, four or five weeks, six weeks total before we can be clear. And, 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 and when you say that, Dr Ewart, and again, I appreciate I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to plat fog at the moment and you can't do that because it's, it's a very moving picture. But when you say four or five weeks, for example, is that before restrictions in theory can be adjusted? Yes, I mean, as I've just said, one really wants to see that clear water or clear period of time with no new cases before one wants to start thinking about adjusting things. So, as I say, if we think again about Guernsey, they're currently six and a bit weeks in. They are now a week plus with no cases, and they will be thinking about when they're going to, to remove restrictions 
to reflect that time of, you know, at least one clear incubation period plus before they start doing that. And I think that's probably the sort of position that, that we will be in over similar timescales. It goes back to your point of maybe before, James, in terms of, uh, you know, we're talking about a long-term approach here and, and yet we're in the middle of a, a, a circuit break right here, right now. Um, it's not for me to talk about what, what, what you know, what, what council may announce and where um, we may be in the in the short term. But it does highlight that point that if we go back in a number of months where there are no 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 defences from a vaccination perspective. You've got no other mitigations in place. Then you have to have a really hard response. And I think the chief minister said on a number of occasions, as a health, as as the health minister, if this had happened a bit further down the track, then perhaps our our response would have been different, and perhaps our adjustments might be different as well in terms of. It's not just kind of uh, binary, it's either on or off. I think there is uh, every day that we take and every day we get more and more confidence in terms of the vaccination programme, more and more confidence in what's happening around us enables us to make more, more decisions. So you know, today is very much about looking forward way beyond the next, next, next few weeks. It, it does seem a little odd, although it's got to be done yeah. to be talking about this at the moment when we're talking six months down the line. May presumably is pretty important because... In theory, all adults will have received their first dose by the end of May. But the, the overall picture is to, to come out of restrictions so let, by let, September, yeah? Let, yeah let, me, um, let me just walk through the, the I cut you framework. off in your prime No, 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 then, no, no. So. It's, 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 it's a great, great point. So th th there is a series of, of kind of moments that we think will come, and, and, and May is certainly one, that there's a picture in, in the executive summary that kind of lays this out and then it's expanded in the back. But go, go from the point of where we've been in elimination and we need to get to a point where we are able to live with, with, the, uh, with the virus and the threats it poses more generally, mitigation. We see over time that the risk will decrease, the risk around us, and particularly that depends on what's happening in clearly other countries, UK in, 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 in particular. Um, but our protection is also increasing as that vaccination rolls out and as more knowledge becomes clearer in terms of its effectiveness, in terms of the, the multiple different vaccination, vaccines and how they then interact together. And, all the way through that, that balance between society, the economy and, and, uh, and our health systems, making sure we keep them functioning, we, you know, we're making the right decisions at all points. The five principles we've talked about before, they're, they're in, in, a, in our mind when we go into major decisions. And then those five objectives about being cautious and about taking that gradual approach. We see the three key phases. So the first phase, which is kind of where we are now, is, is about preparation. There's limited change. It's about validating some of those unknowns. And every week goes by, we see more clarity on some of that, which is really, really great. And a real focus on building through our vaccination programme that, that defence, building our systems, scaling them up and taking them forward. The document suggests, and again, all of this is caveated that undoubtedly it will change, but from what we know at the moment, there could be some profound opportunities for change between sort of May and, and August, where we will be able to adjust the border positions. We have a framework which was produced last year. Uh, it stands us well in terms of saying there's a stepped approach to that, bringing in you know, friends and family, um, both from a perspective of in terms of the impact that has on society and bringing loved ones in, but also probably because they're more likely to be tolerant to some of the restrictions that might need to be in place to, to uh, reduce the risk. Just, just if I may interject, that, that, that's, that's a good point, because, because this is a fluid document. But potentially, potentially, why would the island, if everything goes to plan, continue to have self-isolation restrictions in place until September, when the entire adult population, in theory, will be fully vaccinated quite some time before then? I think we have to bear in mind that um, there's a lot of, and through the clinical trials, there's a lot of uh, good evidence coming out, out now in terms of its uh, efficacy and uh, 
but, but not everyone can be vaccinated. It won't work for everyone and it will not provide 100% guarantee. But so what are we aiming to protect with continued restrictions, I suppose, is what I'm driving at. So it goes back to those principles before of making sure that our health and care systems aren't overrun. And, and I think this document talks about having some, some you know, real important conversations across society about what is an acceptable level of risk. I think when we come to certain points and some of the population being vaccinated and, and others haven't, that's going to be a difficult conversation. We need to, to be alive to that. And there'll come points where everyone perhaps has been offered it, but still it's, it's not necessarily going to be effective for everyone. Dr Hewitt, this is a, a really big part of, of why we can't just put fixed uh, aspects in and say at this point we're, we're going to be OK, because it, you know, it's really tough in terms of some of the unknowns we have in terms of the vaccine. Dr Hewitt? Does this plan lack metrics? certainly from what I've seen in terms of, as I can see, as far as I can see, UK infection rate targets that need to be met to move to the next phase. I can't see any of those. Should, should there be some in this? So, so, so it's really hard. We, we have a view of what we think some of the areas might be, in what, but um, again, I, we, can't, we can't put it in tablets and stone. It could be the point where the UK has done incredibly well, but perhaps there's a new variant just come out and we have to be alive to that. Conversely, the UK may not be in the place it thinks it's going to be and, and again, we need to be alive to that. There may be other aspects and, and we may have elements of restrictions or mitigations in place that enable us to accept perhaps a higher level of risk than we perhaps would have done in the first thing. But I do think it's worth bringing Dr Ewart in just around that the kind of idea that when everyone's had a vaccination, then, then everything's fine again. Yeah. Dr Ewart? Yes, I mean, the, the, the key point there is that no vaccine is 100% effective. And the figures, which, I mean, they're, they're great for the vaccines that we currently have, look around 80%, um, which is good, but that still leaves 20%. And if the 20% includes you or your loved one, then you might have a different view about the level of risk. In terms of putting some metrics around this, um, this is obviously a very iterative process, this exit plan builds on a lot of work that was done around the border levels last summer and that work still stands about how we might approach the border levels and that was very much based on different levels of infection in the UK predominantly because that's where most of our incoming travellers come from that would be their last place where they will have been exposed to risk of infection. And clearly across the border, the risk to us depends on the level of infection across and the numbers of people coming across. So that piece of work has already been done and is still embedded in the borders framework, which still stands as a component of this. Um, so yes, and Mark's point was very well made that that approach to border levels and concern about levels of infection across um, was very much based on knowledge about variants that were around last summer when that piece of work was done. New variants can throw that, obviously. Now, the Kent variant doesn't seem to impact on the effectiveness of vaccines at all, which is very, very good news. So what it is, is more transmissible. And we are certainly seeing the impact of that in our current outbreak, which is why this current outbreak has gone like wildfire in the way it has done, whereas the one we had early in the new year didn't because it wasn't Kent variant and it wasn't anything like so transmissible. But the variants we are really concerned about are the ones that may actually impact the effic efficiency of the vaccine. And so that's variants like the South African variant, 
and the um, the Brazilian variant, the Brazil variant, and obviously new variants are emerging all the time, and it takes a while for the work to be done to take them from um, a variant of interest, i.e. we've plot that there's a new variant, through to this is a variant of concern because we think it does this or that. So that is going to be changing all the time. The other piece of um, thinking that needs to go alongside that is, will this be something that we can manage through the vaccines in the way that we manage the constant variation in flu virus, which obviously means that every year, globally, a call is taken on what are likely to be the predominant strains of flu virus, and a new vaccine each year is tweaked to address that. And that may be something that we have to have with COVID, and that may link to, you know, an annual booster cycle of, of, you know, enhancing the vaccines. So all of these are things that we don't yet know, and we certainly aren't in a position to put a firm metric on any of them yet. So, so just to drill down, and, th and thank you for that, Dr Hewitt, however much your team has a, a better understanding of vaccine effectiveness and, and risks in a few months' time, it, it's impossible to say, is it, what the further variants of this will be? Yes, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I, no, I will no. let you finish your presentation. Thank, thank, I think. thank you. No, but it, it's a great to have a conversation as we go through it. As the, um, so say that that, it, and we're going to come that point. So I talked about over the summer we expect to be able to do multiple changes depending on what's happening. But that that last part of the conversation says there is a release at the end of this. But hopefully by September we will know a lot more about. Uh, uh, where we are in terms of the population, potentially the whole population. At the moment, we're, you know, we're, we're unable to do our, our young people. We think that will change. Um, but the, um, the idea of variants, and, and as Dr Hewitt said, about having a, almost an annual programme with a booster and making sure that's part of our structure. So as the hospital goes into its own winter plan, which is always a time of, 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 uh, of duress and concern, that you know, knowing that we're going in confidently and we're ready to, to deal with uh, as best we can if, if there are more. So moving into a poor form where we are, we're in a settled position, uh, we've dealt with as many of the unknowns and uh, we've essentially done everything we can at that point. That's, that's what that final release phase talks about. The other aspect, the final bit in terms of this, 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 uh, uh, this, this kind of framework, does put out what we think the current major milestones around the vaccination programme are. Talks about by the end of April having those first dosage for our nine priority one groups. Um, that's where all the focus around the world has been in terms of protecting those most at risk from hospitalisation and, unfortunately, uh, death. By the end of May, uh, which is a, you know profound progress from from, uh, from from nowhere at the end of last year, really, that all adults will have been offered a, a, a first dose. This is all subject to supply, and that's been a that in itself has been one of the unknowns as we've gone through the first few weeks and making sure that supply chain is is confident and can stand up. Uh, and then scaling the whole logistics around the delivery of that. Going through to the end of June, where the, the second dosage, having now taken that uh, staggered approach for, the, again, those most vulnerable. So that's the point where they've all been offered, uh, again, everything we can do for them at, at that point. But it still will be a large proportion of the population that have not had uh, a second dose, and there'll be some that, that uh, for whom it is not effective or who are unable to or perhaps unwilling to. End of July, um, we start going to go into our second dose for, for all adults, and then at the end of September, subject to again clinical clarification around the world, the JCVI, and clarity around our young people um, being able to, to kind of extend that vaccination program. And again, Dr. Hewitt, you might want to just add to that in terms of the young people and what's happening. 
Yes, I mean, the issue there is that the clinical trials on the vaccines that we currently had, and it's the trial data that led to the approval of their use um, for population vaccination programme, those only included children, people aged 16 and over. One of the trials actually included people 18 and over, the other 16 and over. JCVI has said that both the vaccines we currently have can be used in those aged 16 and above, but that clearly leaves all those aged um, below 16 who will be unprotected by vaccine. Um, clearly, one of the, the good things we know is that children and young people are very much less likely to become ill if they become infected, um, but they can obviously transmit the virus if infected. So it will be important to get them included in the vaccine programme, but we need the trial data to show that it is safe and effective in children and young people. And those studies are now underway. So we hope that the knowledge on that and the approval from the regulatory bodies to use the vaccines in the younger age groups will be forthcoming in the, the medium term as included in Mark's slides. Thank you. I was speaking to a friend of mine earlier today who, whose son is, has got severe asthma and, and was asking, actually, subject to the evidence of efficacy and safety of all this, in 16 years, young people and, and younger, um, when is it likely to happen? Is there, is there a possibility that, that or is it just too early to say that yet? Will, will, can they be potentially vaccinated before September? Or have you just answered that really there, saying it's not developed enough to know for sure? Um, we don't have the, the timescales on those studies or indeed on the regulatory approval that will have to follow, but we certainly anticipate that it will be, you know, late summer, early autumn, that that will be known and the vaccine programme can be adjusted accordingly. That, that's it, uh, James. Thank you. The, the, so that one page kind of tries to distill it down and tries to kind of bring it all back, back, back together. Um, you know, there are a lot of unknowns in there, and, and there is an argument uh, to say, well, why have we produced anything when there's still so many unknowns? But you know, I, I said at the outset, people have been asking, businesses have been asking. Uh, we've got areas of the economy that, that clearly rely on that, that uh, uh, border movements and, and tourists more generally. So, you know, we, we've, we've brought this together. We've had a lot of people, including clinical input. We've brought some industry input in terms of what the pressures are, what the thoughts are. We've brought some external input. and. And that's kind of, in terms of transparency and, and honesty, that's, that's kind of how we see things at the moment. It will change. Uh, I said before, we'll come back on a regular basis. We'll say what, what we think is happening, what we've learned, what's moving around us, and say where we think we are on that. But uh, I, I think you know, it, it is helpful to have it there, and, and it's helpful to, to say that that's our you know, best guess of where we are at the moment. What, what has the, the, uh, the reaction of business been? I mean, they've been generally supportive to date, um, but, but certainly, I mean, have you had any initial reaction to this? And I appreciate this has only been out, what, a little over 24 hours at, at the moment. So we certainly brought some business input when we were constructing this and, and checking some of the thinking. And uh, I think it's fair to say in much of our economy, the borders movement hasn't... It's, it's a concern for society generally, and, and all of us want to go and see loved ones and, and uh, some of the things we've just not been able to do. But for, across our services industry, our manufacturing, our, our, many of our industries particularly when the rest of the world's been in lockdown or the UK's been in lockdown, it hasn't been the same need from a business perspective to go and do business travel. Clearly the main area that, that's affected our, our economy directly is the visitor economy and 
you know, it, it's, it's not just about the financial losses, the, the, you know, the significant loss they've had, but there comes a real long-term um, cost to, to a business being suppressed for so long. And you know, when we went into this back in March last year, I don't think anyone, any of us, would have predicted it was going to go on for some for, for so long. So, but some of the feedback we had is is the border position that we've had with a hard border controlling that and having um, mitigations in place has actually worked really well. The document talks about overwhelming kind of response for, for certainly the last last year and, and the early part of this year is that that, that has been that has been welcomed and, and actually taking a cautious approach is, is the right thing to, to do. Tourism wise, the, the visitor economy, as you say, to be honest, it's going to be extremely difficult for them for, for another summer, isn't it? It's going to be hugely, hugely difficult and, and one of the interesting, I guess, comments we've had when we've gone through that conversation is they, they, they want to know some of that, not not uh, not just have short term. We don't know, but actually save. It's going to be many many months. Being being as clear as we can that we think it's unlikely. Certainly in the next couple of months, it's going to be unlikely to make any more major border changes. We're still at such an early stage of our own program, but uh, uh, and the, and the UK position in terms of its 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 infection rate. Um, over the summer, however, and, and sort of from May, May onwards, we, we will and we hope to be able to see much more. And then I said before, friends and family, there'll be a, an element for, for tourism as part of that. Um, we hope uh, air bridges might, might start to come back in the context of other jurisdictions that are on the same path as we are and don't therefore pose any, any increased risk. And there's a whole topic around vaccination passports, which is really, I think there's a lot of uh, discussion still to have in a, in a domestic sense about you know, people presenting something to be able to get into to a restaurant or something, and we're not saying for one minute that's that's part of it. But sort of a but, green card for international. But on travel. borders, I, I think yeah. absolutely, there's increasing narrative again around us around carriers who may choose to do it anyway, and it may become a feature of travel. And at that point, if we does that reduce the risk? Does it change the risk? And 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 that may play a part. But, but are, are any what, plans being considered at this stage? We're, we're, we're keeping an eye on it, and, right. and again, it's one of these conversations at, at an early stage, but uh, it, it's not something we necessarily as a small island can control. It will happen around us, and we, yeah. we need to be prepared to make sure we're ready to, to participate if, if that does, does indeed happen. So, yes, it will be a hugely difficult, uh, difficult period today. We've also announced about the Classic TT and the MGP so, and, and the Southern 100 yesterday. So, you know, terrible, terrible, difficult decisions, but... We've said before in terms of being there to try and support the industry as best we can. I know politically that that's the desire to carry on, but equally by putting this framework out is to say that, that you know there is some hope. This isn't uh, we're not going to live with elimination forever. We do need to move beyond that. We need to move to the point, as Dr. Hewitt said, where we, we can live with it a bit more. We can cope, but it has to also be from an educated perspective, and it has to be from an, in, an informed perspective as we do that. Dr Hewitt, I, I, um, I think there were something like 14, 15 arrests in, in January for during that, that initial circuit breaker lockdown for breaches of isolation. If there's another 14 or so or more this, this time, how much of an impact could that have on the, 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 um, the length of this lockdown? Every breach is obviously a potential opportunity for further transmission and all further transmission will just lengthen the time course of the curve. So we should still be able to eliminate it, but it will take longer if people's behaviour is such that it enables further spread. Have, have you, or, or indeed yourself, Mark Lewin, detected a change in social attitudes to mitigation this past week than perhaps there was in January, than perhaps there was last spring in the Isle of Man? Uh, Dr Hewitt? 
Um, well, I have not really been able to leave my desk very much. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't really had a chance to observe it. I, I can certainly say from a, from a business perspective, uh, I, I, I think... You know, that there has been more frustration. There's absolute support for what, what the decisions are. We need to make these difficult decisions. We need to defend the island. We need to pretend, protect our population. Um, so there's kind of that realism, recognition, but undoubtedly, you know, the things we're seeing is it, it's harder, it's feeling harder, and people are, are, are certainly a bit more worn down. But uh, that goes back all the way through this. It says that there comes points where it, it can't be a binary, it's on or off, it can't be a... Uh, a position of, 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 of just we only have two choices. There has to be uh, a level of adjustment around that, and, and that can apply as we, as I said before, as we start to come out of this. Um, you know, some of the restrictions that we have in place now, maybe some of those do need to, to stay for a bit longer. Um, it will be finding that balance, and uh, uh, as, as Dr. Hewitt said before, you know, the, the, the risk is when you get a, a seeding on, on a fairly large scale, and you know, as, and particularly with the Kent variant, that's really difficult to deal with, but. Uh, if we have one or two, and, and we've had this before, when the original outbreak back in December, January, we were responding and containing that to a point. It was when something else happened that we, you know, council had to act. Same this time, there was a point where, you know, it, it was um, from what we were seeing, it, it looked like that we would be able to contain as far as we could what was happening at that point. And as I said before, the circuit break is a real last resort. So, um, you know, we, we we have to take each day by day, and and certainly in the short term. The current positions under under regular review, but say back in terms of looking a bit longer term, trying to lay out where we think we've come from. The document talks about lots of the topics we've talked about today, to, to give people a bit more of a sense of why this is difficult, why we don't have all the answers, but equally also laying out a path where we think we might get to. We thought was really helpful. Obviously, this exit framework is available um, on, online. Uh, Gov.im forward slash COVID nineteen, and you can go to it from there. You, you welcome feedback, don't you? You want to hear from businesses, individuals, on their reaction and their response to this. Absolutely. We, we've stopped short of asking kind of key questions and, and, and there are probably some aspects of this that will polarise people and talk before about different risk attitudes when you are or not unvaccinated and whether you do. Many people perhaps have not needed to, to travel the border and to them it's not a big, big, big deal. So... We're not at that stage yet, uh, and uh, uh, you know there will keep some key moments where we have to make real uh, and council has to make really important decisions. And having feedback, we've done it before. We we try and engage with businesses. We try and through the Department of Enterprise, we use our executive agencies. We we do outreach, and we'll continue to do that. But there is a there is a, an email address that's been set up. I think it's on screen. Um, generally, yeah, if people have got questions, they don't think they're answered, or they've got ideas, or they've got comments, just generally. You know, let let us know, and, and as we go through over the next month or so, and we then said before we'll we'll give a bit of an update, then we'll you know we'll try and reflect some of those and try and potentially answer some of them as well. Super, thank you very much indeed. Um, I, I suppose just to to wrap this up, and and thank you for your time. It's been very insightful to 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 find out and drill down a little bit more about this document. Um, as we learn to live with COVID nineteen, what will the new normal be, or is that the the multi million dollar question? Dr. Ladies first. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball. Yeah, yeah. It is, I think it is. It is the million-dollar question. We have a good view, a good idea. And we can see other countries around the world saying what their roadmaps look like and what they think. You know that helps inform it, and, and we hope it is as as normal and, and as it was in the past as as, as as possible. But as we said before, there may well be something we 
some ongoing adjustments, and uh, we just don't know yet. But uh, you know, let's let's take it every day. We get a step forward to knowing that. Super. Well, um, Director of Public Health, Dr Henrietta Hewitt, and uh, Chief Executive of the Department for Enterprise, Mark Lewin, thank you very much, both of you, for your, for your time this afternoon. Hopefully we can arrange a couple of question and answer sessions for the Manx public over the next week or so, as I'm, I'm sure you have plenty that you'd like to put to our, our decision makers. Certainly there's no, no shortage of topics to discuss. Until next time, though, thank you and goodbye.